Percy, I've often heard you say that you've not met many successful cancer patients who did not have committed caregivers involved during their journey. Are there important things we should all know and understand about caregiving? Absolutely, my friend. Bottom line with this question is being a good caregiver is really, really hard work and can be very taxing at the end of the day. And so let's have a discussion regarding some nuances surrounding being an effective caregiver to a cancer patient. Percy will talk with a caregiver who's supporting her husband who has a rare and incurable form of cancer. The following program is produced and sponsored by City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. Information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. Welcome to Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Reverend Percy McRae, National Director of Specialized Outreach at City of Hope. And I'm Wayne Shepherd. Privileged to be with you each week with this cancer-related podcast. And Percy, thanks for all the effort you put into it. It helps a lot of us. Absolutely. It's my privilege and pleasure. Good to be here with you again on another episode, my friend. You've been doing this for a long time, haven't you? Not the podcast per se. I mean, yeah, it's been a few years on the podcast, but you've been doing your work for many, many years. You're close to three decades. I'm going into my 28th year. I started when I was, yeah, I started when I was 11 years old. So yeah, with that being said. (laughs) I don't believe that one, but (laughs) all right. Today we're going to meet this caregiver, as we said, and uh, she's going to teach us some important lessons. Uh, We're going to get to that conversation in a moment, but I do want to start with thanking our listeners who have contacted us recently with questions and comments. These are very helpful to us. Uh, We're happy to answer the questions that come in. Of course, we're not medical professionals ourselves. So the non-medical questions we can answer, but the comments are are extremely helpful as well because they help us plan future programs. Uh, This Mm -hmm. week, we heard from a listener in Topeka, Kansas, among others, who had a question. Is there data to suggest that younger people are being diagnosed with cancer at higher rates than before? You know, Wayne, this is a really interesting question. I never thought about it. We certainly have never covered this as a topic on the show, so I had to so I had to do a little research, obviously. And so with that, uh, again, according to the National Cancer Institute, very reputable uh, uh, cancer organization, the NIH is what they're referred to uh, from an acronym perspective, on their website entitled Adolescents and Young Adults with Cancer, an estimated 85,980 adolescents and young adults, or AYA uh, uh, as, a, as an acronym, between the ages of 15 to 39 will be diagnosed with cancer in the United States in 2023. This accounts for about 4% of all cancer diagnoses, and I did not know that. Interestingly enough, it says that cancer incident rates, to answer the question more specifically posed from Topeka, among, again, adolescent young adults have been rising on average by 0.3% each year from 2010 to 2019, according to the cancer stat facts. If you are curious, the most common cancers in adolescents and young adults between the ages of 15 and 39 are breast cancer, thyroid cancer, testicular cancer, and melanoma. Hmm. And that website also provides breakouts of other different age groups under other different circumstances as well. So um, great question. Thank you for asking. 
it prompted me to think about some things, and this might be a show that we do somewhere down the line that cover this conversation or this topic. But with that being said, you can find all of this information and more uh, on the uh, National Cancer Institute's website entitled Adolescents and Young Adults with Cancer. Excellent. Thanks for doing that research for us and for that listener, Percy. If you have a question or comment, reach us through our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on Connect, and you'll have a little box drop down there where you can type in your question or comment, healthhopeandinspiration.com. And while you're there, why don't you just go ahead and download our featured resource, Caring for Caregivers. It's available free of charge as well. Caring for Caregivers at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Percy, what scripture have you chosen to precede our interview today? So our spiritual nugget for today is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4, 7, and 8 specifically. And it reads as follows. Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It always protects, always trusts and always hopes, always perseveres. And then verse eight, love never fails. We've heard this is the famous love chapter and scripture. Famous words, yeah. Yep, yep. And I thought that I would just highlight a couple of the verses that would basically really speak to, I believe, the sentiment and the motivation for this caregiver in relationship to her husband, who we heard uh, in a recent show, who has a chronic uh, leukemia that basically has no cure, and her overriding motivation of why and how she continues to be his caregiver. We'll get to our caregiver's testimony in a moment. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider City of Hope with locations from coast to coast. Their team of more than 11,000 includes doctors, researchers, associates, scientists, nurses, allied health professionals, graduate students, fundraising specialists, marketing professionals, volunteers, and support staff, all united by their desire to find cures and save lives. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about City of Hope or contact a member of their team with questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-4673. City of Hope uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Hey, 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 it's me, Pastor P, and I am back again, as always, with another conversation, compelling conversation. You know what we do on this show. If you've been listening for any extended period of time, we talk about cancer and the impact of cancer mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And today we are going to hear from, we heard from her husband uh, on a separate interview, and we're going to talk to her today, Mrs. Easton, who has been providing care and support to her husband, Ed Easton. And we want to hear from a caregiver's perspective today. This is what I know for a fact, is that caregivers are probably the most underappreciated portion of the cancer journey for many cancer patients. And we focus on the cancer patient, but many times we forget about the caregivers, the people that are there helping them work through the day-to-day grind, uh, remembering to take their meds, helping them to go to their appointments, writing down their their notes from their doctors, et cetera, et cetera. Today, uh, we're going to salute and celebrate an amazing caregiver today. And uh, we're going to hear from her right now. So how are you doing? Welcome to the show, my dear. Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited. I'm thrilled. You know, we on the last conversation, we talked to uh, Ed, Big Ed, you know, and the, the and he gave you nothing but love and kudos 
uh, of being ten toes down, standing there with him, ride or die, uh, after you know he had experienced you know a relationship that fell apart. Uh, that, you know, under the pressure of being a cancer patient and being told having cancer. And I've seen that happen. I've, I've, I've had to counsel and support both men and women whose husbands and wives basically said, I didn't sign up for this. I can't take this and decided not to stick around. And, uh, and so here you are now uh, doing what you do. Let's first talk about uh, the day that uh, Ed told you that he had cancer. What ran through your mind when you heard those words? Well, it was like so many different thoughts that ran through my mind because number one, my grandmother, uh, she passed away from cancer and uh, she had colon rectal. Okay. And I was her caregiver. And, you know, it was a hard thing to watch. Yeah. Especially when it ended up be going from, it wasn't the cancer that killed her, but the complications of. Okay. And it was just so quick, so sudden, so volatile. And then you have me, the baby of the family, who's trying to manage it all, take care of her. And then, you know, the person who is basically my mom yep. is gone. Yeah. So it was like cancer, ugh, not my friend. But then I was mistakenly, haha, mistakenly diagnosed with the same kind of cancer my husband has. Really? But that was my first, yeah, the doctor was like, oh, they ran the test wrong. Like they called me back like after a week of me panicking and trying to get my life in order. And they're like, oh, they ran the test wrong. You don't have it, you can relax. But that was my first introduction of learning. And then years down the line would have it, he came into my life. And it was like, Okay, that was in preparation for this. You're, you're taking the words right out of my mouth. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, I've had many people ask me, how did I feel the day that I was told that I had cancer? So, And I tell them, you know, for close to, you know, 25 years or whatever, I had been in preparation for the day when I was going to be told because I had been supporting cancer patients all mm -hmm. of this time and no history of cancer in my family. And so like you, you know, here you are with this scenario uh, with a family member and then being misdiagnosed, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you're told that and you, you did not end up having cancer, but you had to go through the mental and emotional rigors as if you were. Because, again, you know, you're processing this information uh, in preparation for, as you said, for the day that you had to support your husband. And so you're, yeah. you're, you're in place, you know, you're you're there. Yeah. Let's talk about for you as a caregiver. There's somebody that's listening to this 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 conversation that's a caregiver. What has been some of the challenges that you've experienced? I will say uh, one of my biggest challenges, and that's just me working on myself as a person because of I've worked in hospitals. You know, I have have like all this life experience. I, I always tend to kind of fall, not necessarily to the doom and gloom, but the what if factor. Yeah. And sometimes things are not a what if. It just is what it is. It's a it's a fact, uh -huh. but you can't process that fact. Yeah. So getting myself to accept, okay, is this a we need to hypothesize and figure out what this is kind of a situation, or is this a okay? that's it cards on the table there's no changing this situation mm. type of thing it's uh adjusting to his needs before my own okay 
And it's not like I'm a selfish person, but we have we come from totally different backgrounds. We have totally ways of different doing things. Uh And I know that sometimes that what I may think is the best thing may not truly be what's best for him. Okay. So being able to be empathetic and listen and Mm. not go. I know what I'm talking about, you know, because, yeah, that might work for me, but it doesn't work for him. Yeah. So that has been like a, more of a minimal challenge that changes from day to day. Uh, for example, uh, one of the things that they always say um, as you know, make sure you eat things with a lot of protein yeah. and what have you when you're going through cancer treatment or things that are strong with beta carotene, et cetera. That is carrots. Mm. Now, I love carrot juice. Okay. I can drink it. It's just like great. But he can't process it. Okay. It does not work with him well. Mm. But I kept trying to give it to him, <laughs> and it would always end up the same way. Gotcha. He would get sick. And I'm like, it's something you got to be doing wrong. And then I had to take a step back and look at it. Like, he's not doing anything wrong. His body just does not like it. Right. And I'm like, okay, don't take it personally. He's R- not doing it personally. Understand where he's coming from. He's trying because he loves you. But we we just got to find an alternative. So though it's been those type of challenges, uh, trying to get him to be calm because he has his moments when he loses his way, he loses faith, and then it's like, okay, it, that'll trigger me. Okay. And I'm like, we both can't be crazy right now. Yeah. So one of us has to, you know, stand strong. So it's like, okay, I automatically take that role. That's just, like I said, how it's been for me most of my life. So it's like, okay, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. But understand, I'm here. He doesn't process his, his, his grief or his lament the way I do. I kind of internalize. He can internalize, but then there's moments where he explodes. And it's like, okay, because he's such a happy, jovial person, regardless of the pain he's in, when those moments do happen, it tends to like make me take it personally. And I'm like, he's not lashing out at you, so yep. stop that. Now, two things. So there's two yeah. things that I extrapolate from this, and it's very important. And I, and I, I knew this. But I'm glad that you highlighted it. And being a caregiver, first of all, is a tough job. And I want I want to make sure that we we make it clear being a caregiver is not easy. It's not simple uh, based upon everything that you stated. But the two things that I take from that, which is important that I think everyone needs. If you're if you're taking notes, write this down is number one uh, to be a caregiver means that you have to be a good listener. And, And sometimes and I know depending on personality types. Uh, you know, caregivers can be type A personalities where they want to be doers and they want to put things into action and make things happen versus taking a couple of steps back to, to listen and understand from the vantage point of the patient. And number two, and I'm so glad that you said it, my dear, and it's so important. Being a caregiver means that you have to practice not taking things personal based upon how the patient may react or lash out or shut down or whatever the dynamic is because sometimes caregivers take that personal and then they can shut down feeling as if that they are being rejected. And and it, and it's not that at all. It's everything that you just stated. So I appreciate your, your transparency and your honesty and in, in, in putting that out there because there's somebody that needs to hear that 
who may be just entering into the space of being a caregiver. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. It's not a problem. He was very upfront with me when we started dating. You know, he was like, hey, by the way, he gave me an option to stay or to go before we got really serious. And I was just like, I like you and I have a genuine like for you. And yeah. I, so it's just like, okay, you know what? We're going to get through this. Yeah. But yeah. as I, like I said, I had already had the information from my misdiagnosis. So it was like, okay, I understand that this is for life. And I understand that things can change and the volatility of the situation at times. And I had to ask myself, was I really, really in a space where I could commit to this? Right. And not feel overwhelmed. And there are days, yes, I do feel completely overwhelmed. Sure. Because it's like I'm trying to hold life together just for myself, but then for my family, and then on a whole different box for him. Right. Making sure that he's not, you know, he's getting what he needs. He's not being taken advantage of because right. people think he, he doesn't know any better. Um, he takes his time and he reads and, you know, and he listens to information that's given by doctors. And if he doesn't feel it's right, he challenges it. Yeah. But as a caregiver, you could kind of take one or two approaches and go, okay, whatever you say, baby. And this person has no clue what they're talking about and could do more harm to themselves. Or you can encourage them to say, okay, do your research. Right. And then let's go down this rabbit hole together. Yeah. And then figure out if it's just the uncomfortability that you have, but it could help. Or it's really something that's like in your gut saying, nope, mm -mm, this is bad for me. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And that but makes he's sense. already made it clear that, you know, unless he absolutely has to, he doesn't want to do uh, the bone marrow transplant. Okay. And I'm like, I can completely respect that. Yeah. I mean, we we got a glimpse into it with, uh, what is her name? Robin Roberts yep. and all she went through. Right. And I wasn't even a, you know, a part of that story, but I was watching like the rest of America and I was like, Ooh, that's rough, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then I, I understand where he's coming from. She has the money, the resources to, you know, make sure that she has the best outcome. Right. Everyday Joes don't have that. So your risks are now significantly greater. And he thought about these things. He did his research. Right. And as he should, as he should. Absolutely. Absolutely. As he should. So having said that, and I thought I think that the points that you make are amazing because, again, you're right. We're, we're not talking to people who are millionaires or, or billionaires. We're talking to everyday people who are dealing with cancer. And, and mm -hmm. at the end of the day, there are challenges there that, that has to be understood and considered and factored into moving forward, not moving forward, doing this or not doing that. And, and the caregiver is a major part of that process in helping uh, that cancer patient kind of uh, navigate that. And so my, mm -hmm. my big question for you would be, as a caregiver, because what I know and what I've learned is that caregivers also need to because uh, you alluded to it earlier, also need to create time and space to take a break so that they can deal with their own mental wellness and well-being. What would you say to uh, a new caregiver that's listening on on ways to basically take care of themselves? Okay, that is actually a beautiful question, but it's kind of one of those Pandora box questions. And I say it that way because... Um, Again, like I said, me and my husband are definitely one of those, while we're similar, we're definitely more on the opposite spectrum. Sure. And it's opposites 
a kind of attract type of thing. Sure. But there are certain habits or behaviors that he have that sometimes could just make my skin crawl. Because like I said, I'm really more of an introverted person. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's very cuddly and in your face and he's you know constantly around me like it's like okay i need you to like give me five minutes (laughs) so one of the things i had to do once i realized okay this is a heavy situation so that everybody has peace and i'm not losing my mind is make your intentions clear okay so I started telling him, hey, babe, I love it when, you know, when we cuddle together or have movies or we're to co- constantly together 24 seven, especially like during a pandemic where you couldn't go anywhere. I'm like, but I might need 10, 15 minutes, right. maybe 30 right. to just be by myself. Yeah, take a break. And Exactly. And I'm like, I want you to feel like, oh, I'm saying I don't want to be around you or you're getting on my nerves. Or you make me No, I'm not saying anything like that. It's just I need to process. Yeah everything yeah because i like i said you know you could be a caregiver but you don't have to be a significant other you could be a parent grandparent that is true and when you have but it's like when you have those heavy ones like in my case i'm a caregiver but i'm also his wife so that's his partner you know i have to make sure that what i'm asking is fair as well on that spectrum like yeah it's fair for me but what about him yep so it's like okay and yes, uh, there have been times where I've wanted to do something for myself and I felt guilty. That's going to happen, but you'll learn to break yourself out of this because if you're not okay, they're not going to be okay. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It is. Yeah, yeah, so like some of the things I'll do is like I like to learn. Okay. So I started taking up things that I thought would find I would find interesting. So new languages. I'm not fluent, but I do practice every day on, you know, Duolingo and stuff like that uh, to try and learn something new. Um, I started cooking again. Like when our grandmother was alive, I did a lot of the cooking, but I didn't get adventurous, try new recipes. Now I'm actually like looking up recipes of things to try. I'm on Facebook watching the cooking videos going, okay, well, how did they make that? I wonder how that is these, you know, things like that to just kind of enrich myself because that's the second thing I would tell a new caregiver is whatever time you take, whether it's five minutes or five hours, make sure it's something that's going to enrich your spirit. Okay. That's whether fair. it be reading the Bible, if that's what you want to do, because there are times where I've taken time just to, you know, watch church. And he knows if I'm watching church and it's not a it's a, not a sermon because the way my church workers is they they tell you what the subject of sermon is going to be yeah. before they start right so okay. it's like okay it's, it's, he knows it's not a subject he's interested in he will leave me be and i have my bible there and i do my own personal bible study okay. i have a little workbook that i do why it's a bible study five minute bible study for women okay. i do it you know as much as i can to try and just enrich myself because the more you pour into yourself the more you can pour out to them yep. and you're going to need a lot. Well, as, as a, as a old mentor of mine once said, you cannot draw from an empty well. So again, you have to replenish you and, and every, the things that make you flow and make you do the things that you do in order mm-hmm. to be able to give out of that. So you can't give out of an empty well. Well, I appreciate you going into the depth of that. And again, i I think that that's going to be super helpful for somebody listening. And that's the point of this platform is to provide real-time, genuine, authentic, organic information that comes from the heart 
that hopefully will touch and reach another heart. I want to say to you, thank you, my dear, for for hanging in there, for being, uh, and again, uh, Ed said it best. He's like, she's my ride or die, you know, being 10 toes down and standing by his side. And again, I know of no successful cancer patient, none, that did not have somebody that was standing by their side as their caregiver. I want to salute you. I want to say thank you. I want to say again for the days that you had to sacrifice and you had to kind of, you know, put your own personal needs to the side and even the adjustments that had to be made that you you made the decision that you were going to be there no matter what. And I thank God for you. I thank God for every caregiver that's listening today. And so with that being said, Alicia, I want to again salute you. Thank you so much for for hanging in there and doing the work, the yeoman's work that that no one really truly understands unless they're living, sleeping, and eating every day with a cancer patient. Uh, you have and you are making a huge difference, and we know that because Ed said so. And so God bless you, my dear. Thank you so much for taking time to be on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And uh, I'm going to check back in on you guys maybe six months from now, see how you're doing, and uh, see if there's any updates that, that, that you guys would like to share. But as of today, uh, we salute you both. With that being said, today you have heard uh, from this wonderful caregiver, and uh, we thank God for her life, and we thank God for her commitment here today on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Take care. God bless. Until the next time, this is Pastor P. Bye. We'll talk with Percy about the interview here in just a moment. According to the National Cancer Institute, approximately 39% of men and women will be diagnosed with cancer at some point during their lifetimes. And caring for people living with cancer is a growing need in every church. To address this issue, we've developed the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network to equip and empower every Christian leader to better meet this great need. If you're a pastor, a leader in your church or congregation, we want to invite you to join our growing family of informed ministry leaders in the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network. Joining the network is absolutely free. When you sign up, you'll receive online access to exclusive leaders' resources, information about ministry training opportunities, and our informative monthly email newsletter. So visit our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, and click on the Our Journey of Hope logo at the top of the page and join the Ministry Leaders Network today. Percy, we've talked with other caregivers on the program, but today was very, very practical, wasn't it? It was practical, and again, even within the context of, of whom she was providing care for, uh, I think a bit unique because as uh, discussed with uh, her husband, Ed, who we had an interview with previously, you know, she is supporting someone who has an incurable chronic case of cancer. Yeah. And so living day to day with the thought of that this is probably never going to come to an end from a medical perspective, uh, you know, she really provided some great insights uh, around how to deal with you know, unique the unique dynamics of their personality versus your personality, your likes versus his likes, et cetera, et cetera. Very pragmatic, very practical, and very insightful, I believe. Yeah. And one of the things that 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 for me that, you know, I, I walked away from was the fact that she reemphasized among several things is that, you know, there's times that, you know, as a caregiver, caregivers must remember that they need to have some time away. They need to, you know, they need to step away from the day-to-day grind of being a caregiver. And sometimes that gets lost in the process of being a caregiver. Yeah, tough assignment, isn't it? It is. Being a caregiver is hard work. It's a lot, a lot of work. And, you know, uh, I'm going to take a statement from another interview that I did uh, where uh, 
uh, this particular person said that it was tough watching what cancer did to, to her family. She was the patient, but she said it was tough watching what cancer did to them as as people that were standing, watching, and trying to provide care to her. And, you know, I never really thought about it from that lens and that vantage point. Uh, and that's hard. It's difficult. And and caregivers, they struggle. They have their own issues. They may have their own health care issues. Uh, and then, you know, they have to work through the dynamic of getting tired, being fatigued, uh, exa- you know, exasperated with the process. So, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard work. And we heard that from from uh, Alicia here, who kind of helped us to understand that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the situation with her grandmother and her taking care of her grandmother and then mm. her own misdiagnosis, uh, she said it, it kind of prepared her for what she was going to go through. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. And, and I can relate to this to a certain extent. I, I felt the same way, as you know, and I've shared when when I was diagnosed with cancer, I felt like all of the years of, of supporting cancer patients in many ways, you know, it kind of prepared me for the day when I was told that I had cancer. And though she was misdiagnosed uh, and and misdiagnosed with the same type of cancer type that her husband was diagnosed with, she said she still had to step through the mental and emotional dynamics of working through thinking that she had cancer until it was confirmed that she did not. But in many ways, it prepared her as well as being a, a caretaker for her grandmother. And so, um, and we talk about this all the time, Wayne, you know, life is is really how you look at it. You know, out of those negative experiences came this positive reinforcement that though she didn't know at the time, she was going to be married to someone with this kind of chronic cancer that then she ended up being his caretaker. Yeah. So, you know, things good things can come out of bad scenarios and prepare us for situations, even though we don't understand it at the time. Mm-hmm. A very important point that was made today was the fact that sometimes caregivers just need a little space. It's important. And and sometimes caregivers need to be reminded of that. Uh, my experience with most caregivers is that they become so uh, myopic and, and have tunnel vision and blinders on that they have gotten themselves so worked up around 24 hours, seven days a week. I've got to do whatever is necessary for my loved one. And it is honorable and it is commendable. No question about that. But there can be a price to be paid on the other side of that, of their own mental health, physical health, that, you know, because they simply did not uh, take some time away to to regroup and to refresh and rejuvenate, even if it's just 10, 15 minutes, go take a walk uh, or whatever. And so we heard that principle reinforced by Alicia that there were times that she had to tell Ed, her husband, hey, I just can you just give me five minutes? Can you just give me 10 minutes? Uh, and then, you know, I can I can connect right back with you, but I need to just kind of decompress. And I think it's important for caregivers and people who are supporting caregivers to remind them that they need to take some time for themselves so that they can ultimately be a more effective caregiver for the long term of a process. One of the great things you've done through the years is made this Caring for Caregivers resource available, and it's available right now at the website, as a matter of fact. So this is for both the uh, caregiver uh, and the person who's being cared for, because there are there are things on both sides of the equation that need to be understood. So download this free resource now, Caring for Caregivers at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Do you want to say anything more about that? Well, yeah, absolutely. This document was written for the very purpose of this conversation, really, is to help to highlight the fact that 
uh, sometimes we consciously forget about that when when we enter into the cancer conversation, we focus strictly and primarily on the cancer patient, and rightfully so. But we have to remember that, again, in my opinion and in my experience, no successful cancer patient has walked through a journey of cancer without the help of a caregiver, the support of a caregiver. And in many cases, we forget about the caregiver. We need to care for the caregiver because ultimately it's going to help the cancer patient. Mm -hmm. Because if the caregiver is out of pocket mentally, emotionally, physically, then the process breaks down of the support that's needed for, for the actual cancer patient. So, and we also have to remember that they're humans, they're people, they, they have needs and, and that need to be addressed. And in some cases, surprisingly, I've experienced that caregivers can end up having more uh, extensive needs than the actual cancer patient. Wow. Okay. So there, there are needs that need to be understood and recognized. So this document was written with the intent and purpose of making sure that we do not forget, we do not celebrate, you know, we, we celebrate, we honor, and we uphold and undergird those who care for uh, for cancer patients. And so caring for the caregiver was written with that in mind. Yeah. Well, thanks to our guests today for bringing many valuable points to our attention. This has been Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And Percy, you opened with that famous uh, passage from 1 Corinthians 13. I think it'd be helpful to hear it again in context now. It will. because And on the closing note of one of the points that Alicia made that I thought was uh, very important, it seems simple, but it's very important. And it'll take us right into this text is she says she had to learn not to take things personally. Oh yeah. That there are things that that may the way Ed may have reacted or responded or things that he may or may not have said that it wasn't personal and she needed to learn how to not take things personally. Well you can't really do that in that context unless you really are working the principles of First Corinthians 13, 4, 7, and 8. It reads as follows Love is patient. Love is kind. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Verse 8, love basically never fails because there are times that we may want to take something personal and, and probably deserve to take some things personal. But when you really love someone and you're really committed to them, you, you have to make a decision and a choice not to do that. And so with that today, this text, I think, really embodies the essence and, and all that uh, Alicia is, continues to be, and will need to continue to be because uh, Ed's cancer is incurable. And so this will be an ongoing process for them. And she said she understood that all the cards were put on the table and she understood the situation and she was there for it all. And he, and he responded and said that it is because of her that he continues to stay motivated as well as she inspires hope in him. So we pray for the continued well-being of both Ed as well as Alicia as they fight the good fight of faith and that the good Lord will be with them every step of the way. Yeah. Thank you for bringing their story to us today, Percy. And thank you for all you do for this podcast, Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Uh, you have a final assignment for us as always, though, don't you? I, I do. Uh, caring for others and caring for those who care for others is a lot of work. And so I want to remind us at the end of the day, I associate living life on these terms. There's something that we always have to continue to be or do or strive for. So please uh, don't forget that we have to keep chopping the wood. We have work to do in our lives, in our families, in the world that we live in. Don't give up. Don't give in. And remember that potentially the best is yet to come. God bless you. Love you to life and not to death. We'll talk to you real, real, real soon. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. We'll see you next time. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is sponsored by and produced by City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. Our hospitals in California, Georgia, Illinois, and Arizona are dedicated to making a difference in the lives of cancer patients. Our team of more than 11,000 includes researchers, associates, scientists, doctors, nurses, allied health professionals, graduate students, fundraising specialists, marketing professionals, and volunteers and support staff all united by our desire to find cures and save lives. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. City of Hope is dedicated to tailoring a combination of cancer treatments to the needs of each individual patient. From advanced genomic testing to state-of-the-art technologies and evidence-informed supportive care therapies like spiritual support that target cancer-related side effects, comprehensive services are delivered by a team of cancer experts. Our national network also includes many clinical care locations, offering consultations and other medical services in a convenient outpatient setting. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.